got this notice on my doorstep that they're going to be shutting off the water to our house because they're they've been I think I talked about this before. They're doing some major road repairs, so like 800 times a day we get these major rumbling through our house because there's large trucks crashing over their steel plates and screwed up trenches and stuff. So now now they're finally getting to our street, I guess, and they're going to they're going to have have a they wanted to schedule let us know about a scheduled light disruption from 9 a.m to 5 p.m in two days yeah. no tomorrow oh, um, thank you for telling us in advance i mean it's not like we're all working from home in this area it yeah thanks yes yeah so i i took a picture of their service interruption schedule uh, piece of paper it says it's the second notice uh i didn't see the first one and it says, uh, Golden State Water Company would like to inform you of a scheduled temporary service interruption in your neighborhood required to complete an important water system improvement project. I have no problem with that, uh, except for the part that it's all day long while everybody in your house is in your house working and schooling. And and it's like they're trying to do it, uh, you know, when it will have the least impact on their customers is what they said. So, uh, so I, I rewrote, I wrote, I marked this up. I, I, I put the thing on my iPad. This would, instead of like to inform you of a scheduled temporary service interruption, I said, we'd like to totally screw you over with a scheduled all day service interruption. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, sure. You could probably maybe like fill up a couple of gallons of jugs of water that's so exactly that what we're going to do so we can flush the toilets and and have yeah, exactly. something to do. yeah <laughs> exactly that that's where i was going is like i mean so that you can at least do a few things yeah so i have that to look forward to tomorrow i'm not yeah we'll, we'll figure it out but and i know like you can't necessarily do like heavy construction in the middle of the night either on a residential street so i i get that uh i i just think that maybe 9 a.m to 5 p.m on a is, weekday is not doesn't qualify as a minor inconvenience <laughs> correct correct yeah my my favorite ones are always the two things um that always just baffle me one is if you're doing construction within a school zone mm-hmm. and all you know they say we want to limit so that we can just limit the disruption of class time we want all scheduled deliveries to occur before you know, I don't know, like say eight o'clock like isn't that when like buses and parents and walkers are all actually trying to get <laughs> to, to the drop the off school that you're actually and every school project that i worked on never failed it was always like dead in the middle of uh, when this when the kids were going to school deliveries were occurring yeah and, and then the other one is garbage you know, service. I mean, don't you think it might be a little bit easier if you actually waited until, and, and I get it, you you know, you're going all across the city and stuff and, and I understand, but I mean, wouldn't it be easier to like maybe dispatch a couple more trucks and wait till say after all of the buses are off the road and all the parents are out of the way for you to like do the, your garbage pickup just so that you're not trying to compete. I mean, because I literally watched a, a bus basically have to inch their way up a street behind a garbage truck because there's just not enough room with people parked on the side of the road and all yeah. this other stuff. 
to actually get to the school. And so something that you would think would take maybe like a half a minute to get from point A to point B took them like it. I, I think it was roughly around like say 10 minutes or so, but it seemed like forever is what it seemed like. Our city actually has a mandated no overnight parking on the streets anywhere in the city. So our streets are relatively clean and they do come through with the trash trucks early in the morning. And there's been many times when I've had to run out there, you know, at (laughs) 545 in the morning because I forgot to do it the night before because they do come super early to our neighborhood. Um, I know that's not the same for every neighborhood, but in ours it is. And also for street sweeping. They they come out and they you know they don't have to worry about cars being out there on the curbs and it does help with that congestion a lot but most cities do not have that in place and actually I'm sure it's been a huge revenue generator because most people have never had to deal with that and they come park on the street in our city and get a ticket. Now we just have a you know it's on street parking. We've got small lots around here, so I mean most people don't have a wide enough lot to actually have like a two you know a, a two car wide driveway and we know that garages so, are not to park cars in those, you know, are, those enough, are storage units yeah. funny enough most of the older houses around here none of them have garages just a carport yeah just have a carport yeah you know i wish we had gar you know a garage just so i could like hide some of the things that we'd otherwise like to hide i just think it's it's because we talked about this on the last episode like i just think you know we talked about it from the perspective of of businesses not being able to hire people that are outside of states Uh, this is also something where the cities need to be a little bit proactive about the way things are and make some adjustments right like stop treating it like nothing ever changed and and you know in our case the water system is private it's not a city thing but it's still like you you can't just turn off the water to everybody's house in multiple city blocks at one time and not expect it to wreak havoc when everybody's working from home. So these, these disruptions are totally something that they're planning ahead for, and they're still not doing it appropriately. Right. Right. Crazy. Well, Hey, it's, uh, this episode's going to go up today, right? (laughs) So it's technically still veterans day, man. So, so thank you for your service. I, I put out a tweet. Hope you don't mind. But uh, I wanted everyone to give you a a pat on the back for for everything you've done, and and to all the other veterans out there, thank you for your service. I don't get the day off. Doesn't sound like you're getting the day off, but my kids are getting the day off. <laughs> yeah, definitely had no day off. Yeah, actually, um, my son got his online college classes, and he's like, "Yeah, well, one of my uh, classes are canceled." I'm like, "Yeah, why?" And he's like, "Well, the professor was a veteran," and I'm like. He must have been Air Force. He goes, how'd you know? I'm like, forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, oh, man. It's so funny how there's this rivalry. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so actually what's funny is, so like uh, another guy on my project team, he's a veteran as well, and got onto a call early before everybody else popped on, and we're talking about it. He's like, all right, so real talk. Let me ask you a question. When somebody comes up and says, thank you for your service, what do you do? I'm like, you know, even to this day, I don't really know. I it's a compliment. Just, you just you just say thanks. That's all you say. <laughs> it, 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 but most everybody that I know, veteran-wise, I mean, yes, I guess the, the thing is, it, it, well, you're welcome kind of thing, or, or, you know, you're worth it. 
was is another one that I've mm. you know heard more recently. We just don't really want to sound so disingenuous about the thing that we're just like, oh, okay. You know, it's just like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it is, but I mean, and I seriously say that this is like at least 50% of my veteran friends don't know how to like respond to it. We just say, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of bashfully look the other way. No, I man, it's, it's easy, right? You just say, thanks for saying that. That's it. Like you don't even have to say you're welcome because that's does I get it like it does feel kind of weird saying that but I learned yeah. a long time ago when and, and my parents didn't teach me this it was actually a coworker taught me this and they said uh, you know I just gave you a compliment say thanks right and it was like oh that's obvious uh, because it was it I had a similar response to a compliment that you just had and it's just kind of like you don't know what to do with it you're it's awkward yeah. for yeah. you know and yeah he's like no you just say thanks that's it move on but but when someone pays you a compliment like yeah acknowledge it right don't go into the the calm lag of of silence that would be uh yeah anyway well thank you for your service cormac (laughs) yeah (laughs) thank you yeah no i mean i i was wondering if do you have uh like actually because you actually did serve like you went over like explain to the listeners what you did what you what you went through nine years in the army five years active four years national guard uh did technically considered three tours but really it's only two because desert shield desert storm and operation determined resolve so i think total of 18 months in combat service patriot visual crew chief i many of the like patriot missiles were actively involved in desert storm to as a anti-missile deterrent, even though we are technically, not technically, we are anti-aircraft, not anti-missile, but now the whole system has been retooled to be both anti-aircraft and anti-missile. So A little more proactive there, yeah. A little proactive, you mean, because there's actually my very first uh, paper that I wrote coming out of, we had to find an article to basically either, um, either defend or, uh, I don't know, whatever, What's the opposite of defend? Protect? Well, go on the offense. (laughs) There's basically a pro and con paper, the legitimacy of an article. Oh, yeah, yeah. I ended up writing a um, more or less an op-ed disputing some of the claims that a professor and an analysis of the Patriot missile performance Mm. in in Desert Storm. So he, he was writing it from the comfort of MIT and I was writing my my opinion paper based off of the experience that I had boots on the ground. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of interesting to kind of write that and basically almost see how people viewed what was going on during that time, how people perceived the performance of you know this particular system at the time and how it was how it actually performed from my perspective my point of view which was a lot different than his i bet is you know you see missile leave canister missile go up in sky missile (laughs) hit something big explosion rain down of debris that felt pretty accurate to me yeah yeah, and then he was contending that it wasn't as accurate as published and because of Kobar Towers and a couple of other places where the warhead or the fuel tank made impact with the ground. And without getting too like long, deep 
winded and all this other stuff. The uh, the Scud D missile that was used in Desert Storm. Pretty sure it was Scud D, but you know, getting old. It's been a long time. Basically, when it was purchased from the then Soviet Union to Iraq, they basically took the missile. They extended the missile. And he literally, think about this, he like went to Home Depot essentially to buy some things to extend the range of it because they wanted to extend the range to places like Israel and stuff like that. And, and, <laughs> and so shelf range extension missile parts. <laughs> exactly. And the problem was, is that when he did that, it obviously when the missile went up, broke the atmosphere and then came back down, you know, the heat, the, you know, the, the fr- force friction and everything else basically broke the missile apart. So now you have multiple parts, multiple very, very large pieces of a missile. Well, to not politicize this a little too much, we were basically only allowed to shoot one missile at a target. Well, what if that target is now three targets? Still only allowed to shoot one missile at it because missiles cost money. Mm. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that was the dilemma is like, okay, so got three big pieces. We were expecting one big piece which piece is the actual warhead or fuel tank or extra fuel tank or engine. I mean, all of these are damaging when they hit the ground, but obviously the warhead's the one that you're worried about or potentially the fuel tank. Mm -hmm. And so we we shot at one. You might not, you may have hit the warhead. You may not have. So, wow. So, so that was the contention is that we were not as effective because of some damage that occurred and the problem was that, you know, you know, as we contend is like the damage was what it was only because of the way we were directed to fight the war, not the effectiveness of the actual system to fight it. Mm, interesting. It, <laughs> I, 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 the show notes for this are going to be insane. <laughs> yeah. People can learn a lot about about this different the different missiles and the, the different operations you're involved in. I'm I'm trying to take some notes, but it it kind of reminds me of of just people not being comfortable with the mess of the process, and yeah, a yeah, lot of times, yeah. you know, that's you're talking about like stuff that's out of your control and the rules of engagement and things that are just part of this kind of naturally messy thing, and and then so so man, I'm going to stretch to bring this back to architecture. You walk around a studio and somebody kind of comes in on the weekends and cleans stuff up because they're not comfortable with a client coming in and seeing a mess uh, is, <laughs> is, I mean that we definitely have seen that behavior before, but it's also, that's not how it is. It is a messy process. And I think one of the things that like you were comfortable with during your operations was, was that messy process because you, I mean, it was just the way things worked. Right. And I think the same thing about architects, like they're, I think typically generically more okay with a messy process uh, than other other people are who tend to buy products at the well, end of a process. Well, let's pull it into like the show mm-hmm. and how we go about the show. I mean, we talk about the messy process. You know, almost every episode we're talking about one bit of the messy process. And so a lot of times when, you know, someone, hey, you know, how you doing, Evan? And you start talking about the messy process, say, oh, I just really wanted to hear, you know, that <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to gloss over and say, oh, yeah, everything's great. And then you're just like, this happened or that happened or whatever. And they're just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then it's just so, so, I mean, you know, you're right. A lot of people aren't real comfortable with the, the process. And, and then a lot of times just think about this, how you have to almost justify, you have to like re- 
rethink the way that you explain what it is that you do or what it is that you, everything that I talked about, you know, is, is all declassified information. And, you know, it's not like anything that I was sharing some, you know, crazy secret. It was, it was well publicized, well published, but it, but, you know, you, you, the way that it's always explained is, you know, far, you know, it's, oh, the Patriot was a very effective missile. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's blah, blah, been blah. wordsmithed and, it's and kind been, of, yeah, yeah. It's it, been it, smoothed it, over. And since we always have these war stories about architecture and how that we go about the process and how we go about our day and everything else. And, you know, what's really interesting is that a lot of times when I came home from the office and they'd be like, Hey, how was your day? It's like, Oh, well, you know, it was good. And, and I would give them the, the glossed over yeah. version of it. Yeah. And now that they actually like hear. Oh yeah. You can't hide that anymore. You can't hide the, the everything is just like, yeah. And my oldest will like walk by and he's like, man, that was a long meeting you had. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just, you know, like, with this almost like, you've you know, got a tick now. <laughs> Normally you have that time from the drive home from the office to resolve all ticks, but mm-hmm. now you don't, right? You just walk out of a door and people are like, oh, avoid dad. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so no decompression time. Yeah. I, I, you know, we, we talked to, couple of episodes ago about award season and there's an award ceremony coming out tonight we we found out one of the projects that i worked on last is uh, going to receive an award we don't know what that award is yet so fun fun stuff and uh um, friend of the show brett levitt is also you know we work together on that project so we were chatting a little bit about it and you know thinking about these war stories about architecture and thinking about the the award ceremony is just kind of like that final version and it it says so little about the project and what yeah. you went through yeah. to conceive of it and make it real and there's so many good stories in there that nobody who visits that building will ever know about and and those are some of the best stories right it, the, the the thing about this project in particular and and you're aware of this one it's that math and science building that we did Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, you saw it early on during its kind of conceptual design phase. And then we, we did some various check-ins over the years as it went through development and actually got built. And like that was just, there's so many fond memories of that process. And I think that's one thing that keeps architects going, right, is, is number one, we're not afraid of that messy process. And number two, like there's just so many good things that happen. There's so much that is learned. There's so much insight that you derive from your clients and your clients' clients, um, and they are kind of eyes opened to a new world that they've never experienced before by being kind of directly mm-hmm. involved in that process that most people don't get to go through, you know, at, the, at a larger scale. Right. That those to me are like, and those are some of the pull quotes that that we had as part of the award submission was just like what their experience was either during that process or the outcome of that process and how it actually solved the things that they needed that building to solve. To me, that's where the real value of what we do is. And (laughs) it it is also on a day-to-day basis for the people who use that building all the time. But for me, there's so much meeting because we went through those things in person. Um, and, And I think this speaks directly to your story earlier about this kind of, this paper that was written from the comfortable armchair at MIT, right? Or, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just not the same. It's not the same experience. And we see people critique architecture or say things about a design um, by s- simply looking at an image on a screen or by passing by or 
or even by experiencing it after the fact that are just so different than that process that we went through. And, and I think one of the things that architects have a really hard time articulating is the value that architecture provides. And I think we could probably start to do a better job doing that, which would give architects in general a better name and be better understood by the general public by articulating those stories that others go through during that process. Because I think if if it's a good process, people will want to be a part of that in the future. And so if you can kind of articulate how the process, how you do that process and what makes you maybe different about it or, or whatever, you could probably start to see a way to, to get people interested in that and not just buy buildings, right? Because I think, uh, you know, like people just see the outcomes of these things and they, they see it as a product and they, they, they don't see it as a process that they go through. So tell, it reminds me of a story. So after punch was done and everything else for a building that I had finished up just before my current project, I was out on site just taking some photographs. So no one there knew who I was because these are the occupants that were not involved with the process. And so it was is virtually, and I don't say virtually empty, but it was mostly empty. There was a couple of contractors you know, walking through, a few professors and things like that moving in, you know, some other administrative people. But then there was a tour going through. And to sit there, I was sitting in the, the lobby common space and just listening to just the comments that people were making. It's like, oh, I wonder why they did this. Or, oh, this is really lovely. Or, oh. You know, what, what, what was that choice about kind of thing? And it, it is so interesting because, and I didn't really criticize them. It's just, ah, you don't know. But what it did was it, it kind of drummed up my memories of why some of those decisions were actually made and why uh, it does look like that or like mm-hmm. ah, this decision, you know, like w- what did the hell they do here? And I'm like, uh, if you could just only imagine everything that it took just to get it to look like that. Because the alternative would have been, you know, disastrous if like I would have followed through with this or that. And so it always like, you know, interestingly drums up all of these like in the tied into how we started in the foxhole moments when you had to react to something, whether it was during the design process, during the construction process or a miscoordination of things, you know, when it was actually being installed. And so it's like, oh, you know, hey, because I was thinking about one. In fact, I was sitting right next to a detail that, you know, we had to lower this kind of like jip wrap underneath the stairs because rather than them going through, we showed clearly in the de- the drawings and even in the shop drawings that the they would core through the wide flanges and run all of the piping for the sprinkler system down through, you know, all of these um, kind of like perpendicular supports for the stairs. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't do that. And they ran it underneath. And then they started framing all of this, you know, bulkhead to cover over all of that stuff a lot lower. So it, the the stair looked a lot heavier and thicker than it was. And though they weren't specifically talking about that, they, you know, they, they were actually th- <laughs> The, the comment that they made when I was sitting there was, oh, these, you know, these stairs are beautiful. And I'm more thinking to myself, the hell they are. 
they could have done, you know, so they should have looked like this and looked like this and looked like this, but no, they look like this because of this and this and this and this, you know, it's just yeah. like, like, you know, so it goes back to the, just say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs>